the Resilient Disciples Podcast, powered by Awana. I'm your host, Ross Cochran. Thank you for listening. You and I probably don't know each other, but I know that you are a leader. You may be leading a large church or a ministry with lots of resources, or you may be leading an organization without any funding whatsoever. But one of the many blessings with this podcast is I know exactly who I'm talking to. I'm talking to leaders. Since you're a leader, I want to introduce you to Terry Youngblood and Catherine Tucker. These two women have been faithfully serving in Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship's Awana program for decades, and they recently kicked off their ministry year, which is something you might be figuring out how to do right now. There's a video in the show notes of that kickoff event that I want you to pause this podcast and go watch because it is awesome. Go ahead. I'll wait. Okay, good. You're back. Let's get going. I could have hung out with Terry and Catherine for hours to learn from them, and it was such a privilege to get to know them. You're going to hear so much in this conversation, but one of the things that I want you to pay attention to is that in everything that they do, they stay radically focused on investing in the lives of kids, and their entire church is behind them. Everyone who is involved at Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship cares deeply about resilient child discipleship. You'll notice that this episode is a bit longer than normal. And I should note that Melanie Hester joined us for this conversation, and I'm so glad that she did. Because at the very end of this episode, you're going to hear two of my favorite testimonies that we've ever shared in this podcast about what resilient child discipleship looks like. This starts with Catherine Tucker explaining how she initially got to Awana. Thank you for listening. This is the Resilient Disciples Podcast. It was only a support role for my husband to, to see what he was doing and to support him in that role as an Awana leader. But then I got drafted by the, the commander at that time, and she put me in the classroom. <laughs> and she said, you would be a part of Awana, and you would be one of our leaders. I'm putting you with the third grade class. And I said, okay. And so... <laughs> And so um, being very obedient, uh, I just sat and observed what was going on in the classroom. And I found it very interesting uh, to see the kids memorizing scripture and being excited about what they were doing. And I just, I, it just stuck. And so that was 17 years ago. And since that time, I've been um, part of the ministry, uh, taught third grade class primarily um, until I was asked to join staff and become co-commander. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got started with ministry. That's wonderful. I love the Incredible. dedication. And there's something amazing about people like you where you're like, yeah, I'm doing third grade. Like I'm just doing third grade because I think that's so countercultural. I'll just say that for now is to be not only consistent, but consistent within an age group. And uh, it just builds that sustainability that's so crucial for kids. Uh, Terry, how about you? How did you, how did God bring you to talking to a guy in Chicago on a podcast? Well, my, uh, I was attending Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship and I have two daughters and uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night Bible study, they had Awana and my kids wanted to go to Wednesday night Bible study with me. So we started uh, attending, but 
um, the Warner program was filled on that Wednesday. And so the commander uh, indicated that if my kids wanted to attend, that I had to come and volunteer. I just wanted to, you know, I didn't want to volunteer, but my <laughs> kids were just insistent on attending Awana. And I, I didn't know anything about Awana. And so we started attending together. They were at that time in the second grade and third, third grade. And so now they're 30 and 28. And then I started serving and um, really they started learning scripture, certain scriptures that I didn't even know about. I mean, they were studying their Bible. So I want to kind of disciple all of us. Mm-hmm. And so after a year or so, I decided to volunteer, you know, every single Wednesday. And I started out in the third grade classroom. And then I moved to the fourth grade classroom. And I really, really loved fourth grade. I think I had been in fourth grade maybe at that time, maybe 15 years. Yeah. So I've been serving in Awana for 23 years. Wow. <laughs> there's, some, there's something that stands out to me right away about both of your stories is your individual commitments to God and how that has fueled your sustainability within your ministries. And I think, you know, our heart cry at Awana for the pandemic, but also just really in general, has been like, please do something for the kids. Don't leave the kids behind. And if you are a church that has not been able to make that happen, I don't pretend to know your circumstances. I don't pretend to know uh, the weightiness of that decision. But what I do know is that child discipleship can't wait. And especially in a world that is growing increasingly hostile to the gospel, child discipleship can't wait. And you guys not only are doing something, you are doing tremendous work for the kids in your communities. There's a video that people are going to be able to see in the link to the show notes. And if I understand this correctly, this was kind of like your kickoff weekend for your ministry year. Yes, it was. (laughs) Now, I don't want to say that I've watched the video a thousand times, um, but I have watched it 999. Same here. (laughs) And I think what stands out to me the most about the video is you guys are clearly just having a ball, like just having a grand old time, coming together in a community in a safe way, loving on your kids, like getting this started clearly is a big party for you all. And yet when you watch the video, when you see the people, you see them talking about God's word in their life. You see them talking about, oh, I've been here years and years and years. You see the, the work of child discipleship. I think a lot of kids ministry programs feel like they have to make a choice. We're going to do the fun stuff. And then we got to feed the kids, the vegetables. We got to, you know, we got to teach them God's word. And you guys have found a ways to do both so well. Well, let me just say that, uh, you know, Ross, it really starts at the top with our pastor, Dr. Mm-hmm. Tony Evans, and his commitment to discipling children mm-hmm. and making sure that they're not left behind, as well as Miss mm-hmm. Elizabeth Cannings, who started the children's ministry at Oklahoma Bible Fellowship and brought in the WANA program. And so they each have a heart for children and discipling children. And so the decision was made early on when the pandemic hit that, um, you know, and after all the turmoil and kind of, you know, when pastors started to level set everything, I'm sure one of the key things was, you know, we need to keep children's ministry going. We need to keep Awana going. And so, you know, Awana is such a fun um, program. You know, uh, it's just a part of it 
that element of fun. Without the fun, it's not a one, okay? So yes, <laughs> in that video, you clearly see that we are having fun. All our volunteers are intentional. They are uh, intentional about Awana. They're intentional about kids learning God's word. And we, and we all have that in common. So the, just coming to do the parking lot party. And so we were just really excited. Um, to be honest with you, I was, I was surprised that, if I'm not mistaken, Catherine, I think all of our leaders came out except for maybe two. Yeah. And we hadn't, right, we hadn't seen each other face to face since March. That's true. We have one leader who's been there since the beginning for 30 years. Wow. And when you see him on a one a night um, before we uh, actually had to break, he would be out leading worship, praise and worship, dancing and singing and jumping up and down as much as the kids were. And it was amazing to me to see that resilience in the heart of someone who's been in the ministry for that many years, it's like, this is really great. This is great. Mm -hmm. Getting back to the uh, our kickoff event, it was really great for us to also hear from the parents yeah. um, how Awana is impacting their lives and the children, their children. Absolutely. <laughs> what I hope people hear from churches like yours and people like you is that it starts with love for the kids, genuinely wanting to be around your volunteers. And then from that, you are able to take tools from an organization like Awana and apply it into the community that you're serving. Uh, Melanie, I want to bring you in here because, uh, you know, my job, I think we all get to just sit around and talk about how great Jesus is. But my job right now is to talk about how great Catherine and Terry are. But you have a unique <laughs> lens on this because, Melanie, can you speak to how vitally important it is for kids your kids, kids in communities in general, kids around the world, to have adults like Terry and Catherine in their life who aren't their parents, who can love on them and be such a critical part in their child discipleship journey. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I'm, I'm blessed with um, a seven-year-old named Mac at home in addition to his sister, who's two and a half and her name is Maggie. And so as a parent and also as a um, Honestly, I would consider myself a champion of child discipleship and what it looks like to equip for this time and season, children's ministry leaders with what they need to reach kids with the gospel. The, the impact that just an adult, someone who's there, someone who can look into their eyes, whether that's over Zoom or whether that's over in person, right? Ah, that's so weird now, right? But no matter what that looks like, <laughs> Um, the critical nature of that relationship is necessary, whether the home has two fully functioning, godly loving parents or not. And I think that that's, that's the key point here is that um, we as a community have to join together all together to have an additional person who can connect with that child in a way that supports and reinforces and engages the word of God in the same way that the parents may or may not be doing makes the difference in what it looks like for a child to seek after Christ when they're older. You know, Catherine and, and Terry, that is you. You are those people in the lives of the hundreds of children 
that that right now aren't walking through the doors but are logging into Zoom every single week because you choose to say yes. There are adults in this world who are choosing to follow after Christ because you chose to say yes and sit next to them and say, let me show you what it looks like for me to love Jesus because honestly, that's the only thing I know how to do. Hmm. Thank you. Well, and the people who are listening to this podcast can also be those people. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, as children ministry leaders, that's that's what we are. Right. That's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we can overcomplicate it and be like, okay, so when they are in the ministry that I serve in, I have to make sure that they have this entire list. And I'd love to hear from the two of you. You know, I think really what is so much more simpler is that these kids, no matter who you are, no matter where you serve, they're only requirement as they walk out of their ministry is that they saw Jesus in you. Absolutely. I agree. Um, you know, I think it's so important because we don't know what uh, the family dynamic is at home. They yeah. may have two parents, but we don't know what that family dynamic may be mm-hmm. at home. And so, you know, we believe that when kids show up for Awana or even in our virtual nights, we want to to make sure that that they see the love of Christ in us mm-hmm. and how we how we talk to them and how we uh, talk about Christ and how we, you know, love Christ and how he is in our lives as well, because that's so important in a world that's so crazy and so mm-hmm. many different things coming at kids and not always positive. We want them to, to have a positive experience when they show up for one. Absolutely. Yes, we do want them to uh, be seen. I think that's really important and to be heard and to see yeah. us. Um, and since I've been in the ministry for 23 years, you know, I get to see some of the kids that were younger that's now mm-hmm. have children. And it's really, really just a great reward that um, that they remember us yeah. <laughs> and that they, they come back and go and say things to us. But sometimes you don't think kids are listening, but they really are listening and yeah. they really are watching. And just to piggyback on what uh, Terry just said, we actually have two Awana volunteers who were uh, Awana kids. Mm. And they've come back and they're in their early 20s. They're, you know, in college pursuing master's degrees and, you know, educational component of their lives. But they're serving in our ministry and they are so committed. And we just love that because, you know, uh, they understood or, or they experienced the one for themselves and know the impact that it had in their lives. And now they're able to pour that into the kids that they're serving in our ministry. Yeah. So Catherine and Terry, yes. that's touching on something that I think is so important and something that we have a passion to equip the church with. And that is recognizing that tools are simply tools in the hands of, of truly who God has called and designed to lead and introduce these kids to Christ. And we believe that that's what Awana is. Awana is simply a tool in the hands of a human that God is using to impact those kids. When Drake and uh, Niasia came to serve with us, it was, it was just exciting because that uh, spoke volumes that these two individuals saw something so wonderful in Awana when they were growing up, that now they've come back to invest in the lives of other children. So yeah. for, for someone who's served in the ministry for as long as I have, it's great to see the, the seeds 
that are starting to, to grow and, and to sprout from what we yeah. planted with Awana, we are doing the right thing for the right reason. And, uh, and we're seeing the rewards of it. And I believe that our church recognizes that. I know that uh, the leaders in our church recognize it. Pastor Evans does, Mrs. Cannings does, our, our director, Cynthia Dixon recognizes it. With Awana, it's about building relationships. And so it's about building relationships with mm -hmm. these children. And so that they know that there is another caring adult, you know, outside of their parents who are invested in them, who care about them and who want the absolute best for them. We're going to be there to encourage them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even if they are not prepared for the night, that's okay. We're going to encourage you, whatever, because it's not about the program. Yeah. It is about the relationships. Mm. Can yeah. you say that louder for the back? <laughs> It's not about the program. It's so about for the, the relationship. People, yes, I think the people down, <laughs> they need to hear that. Yes, that's exactly that's exactly right. It's not about the program. And that is something that we are so passionate about is that this is about engaging children um, with relationships that reflect Christ so that when they see scripture and what God says that he is, and there's something that feels like they may or may not understand what's being actually said, they're not only reading it in scripture, but they're seeing it in the lives of the leaders who love them on a week-to-week -week basis. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back. Regardless of the speed bumps of a global pandemic, our mission of reaching kids with the gospel and engaging them in lifelong discipleship still stands. Now, more than ever, we are equipping local leaders to share and show the love of Jesus. And we are supporting the loving, caring adults around the world who are guiding our children through the unknown circumstances of our time. A study from Lifeway Research revealed that 57% of pastors don't know when their children's ministry will resume. But at Awana, we know that the discipleship of our kids cannot wait. Now, more than ever, we must press into the unknown with a known God and a resolute mission. We trust him to provide prayer partners who will also give generously so that we can sustain and invest in child discipleship around the world. Because of your commitment to the gospel and influencing children with God's love, we can partner together to reach a lavish harvest of resilient young people, the greatest generation of disciples this world has ever seen. Invest in the future of the faith at awana.org slash more than ever. You guys have spoken about how vital your leadership understands child discipleship is. And I believe you literally said it starts at the top, you know, from Dr. Tony Evans down. How has that relationship continued? How have you been able to continue to cultivate the value that child discipleship has within your church? And if you have this, I would love to hear people who are living that experience, Melanie, you included, on how that the value can be explained or cultivated to pastors who may previously not get it. I, I don't I don't want to keep saying the same thing. I had leaders ahead of me that led by example. Yeah. So I I I, I intentionally make sure that um, you know that I speak to my leaders, that I call my leaders, that I text my leaders, that I, that I talk to them, you know, face to face, and um, actually not get involved with their life or know what's going on with their life. 
And it's kind of easy because we all have been serving together, you know, for 20 plus years, 17 plus years. And um, it's, it's really kind of easy, but I just try to make sure that I'm intentional and that I see them. Because, uh, you know, when we're meeting face to face, you know, it's on a Wednesday night, it's at 6.30, people are coming from work, people fighting traffic, you know, so we really get to see each other at our best and sometimes at our worst. So I just, I just really try to make sure that I continue to communicate with them and that I talk to them and that I get to know them and, and just continuously pray for them throughout the entire thing. At the beginning of the pandemic, our uh, leadership team, uh, Cynthia Dixon, um, you know, she gave us a list of all the volunteers in children's ministry, and she wanted us to call them and pray with them. Mm-hmm. And that was like immediate. Wasn't it immediate? Um, that was immediate. That was like even before, like we shut down like March the 17th. Of, and we got the list on that day and we didn't return back to church. And so we were equipped with all of the volunteers in children's ministry so that we could reach out to a group to let them know that, you know, we care about them, you know, uh, and, and this was ongoing. It wasn't just a one-time thing. It was, you know, uh, for weeks and months into the, the pandemic. When you invest in people, you will see a return yes, you will. In, in, in that investment. You'll see the dividends, you'll see the return. And I think that's, you know, some pastors may not, you know, recognize the, that that investment will pay off huge yeah. in huge dividends by just investing in the people who, uh, who support the ministry. And our leadership recognizes that. And so, you know, even Pastor Evans, he's uh, had Zoom uh, meetings with the entire children's ministry staff and all the volunteers to say, hey guys, you know, I love you. You know, I want you to know that I miss you, but I want you to know that I'm here for you and I haven't forgotten you. And I appreciate so much what you do for for the ministry. And I think, you know, just letting people know that they're appreciated, it, 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 it goes so far. We see the payoff in the commitment level of our volunteers. We have volunteers most of our volunteers have been with the ministry for over 15 years. Um, wow. Yeah. And so that's a level of commitment that you don't Absolutely. see in a lot of other uh, ministries. But I think they're there because our leadership has done a great job of saying, I value you. I think that's and, and, and it really does pay off. It, it, it pays off big time. And it really is the our leadership in, you know, in just the relationship and stuff that we're forming with the leaders. Um, no, although we just meet once on Wednesday, we still try to, you know, to keep up with them and their kids and their families and, um, and just, you know, say hi to them every once in a while. Mm. Um, no, I bring Catherine food every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, she bakes cakes. cakes and bring them to my door. And I'm like, thank you. That's, so that's, that's wonderful. That well, you know, Terry, you made a, you made a face when I first asked that question of like, how do I begin to answer that? Cause I don't want to say the same thing. But what I hear in that is for folks who don't currently have the kind of culture that you guys have is it starts with communication. It starts with loving on your leaders the way that you're loving on your kids. And what I, what I loved in your guys' response to Melanie's question is that Awana as a tool frees you up to do the the work of just loving people. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, and I think like Melanie, like you said, a lot of people can tend to make it more complicated than it needs to be. Um, 
So we had started this conversation talking about this kickoff event. And again, I cannot recommend strongly enough to folks to check out the show notes wherever you're listening so you can watch that video. I always find it a little weird to look at people like you guys and think that you operate on any sort of calendar. Like I'm pretty sure that your calling is, you know, 365. Um, But the fact is that there's a lot of ministries around the country who are trying to figure out how to begin or celebrate the beginning in the middle of all of the uncertainty that comes with this moment of history that we are living in. How did that vision come together? What did that logistics to make that thing happen? Uh, What did that entail? Okay. So, you know, (laughs) when, when the pandemic hit, uh, we, you know, we had to look at how can we continue to disciple children? How can we continue children's ministry and uh, in this new environment? So it, it sort of stemmed from our vacation Bible school. That was the first event that we had to, to go virtual with. And so we took some cues from what we did for that okay. to, to do this particular kickoff. And I think it was Terry's idea and she wanted to have a, a parking lot party for vacation Bible school, but we did it a little differently. And so when we started to look at what, we, what are we going to do for Juana in our kickoff, uh, the children's ministry director said, we're going to take Terry's idea and we're going to have a parking lot party. And so, uh, so you know, I engaged with, with the director and said, okay, how are we going to make this happen? And so she's, she's, she's a, a visionary in terms of, of coming up with all these grand ideas. And so, you know, if it's a parking lot party, you know, you're going to have cars driving through, you need things that are, I catch it to the children. So we wanted balloons, you know, for the kids. And we wanted to have some sweet treats because kids like treats. So we had, a, we had uh, cupcakes and we had a snow cone truck. And so and we had a DJ because, you know, you got to have music to, for the environment to make it festive and fun and ex- exciting. Um, but we also wanted to make sure that, um, but we kept, uh, the primary thing, the primary thing, which was uh, making sure that we got the handbooks and the things that the kids would need for the one a year, because that was the main thing. So we organized all of that. Terry is great at organizing. So she organized all of that. And uh, we had the boxes for the kids uh, labeled. So when the cars came up, we, you know, we, we didn't have to figure out where, where their boxes were. They were already very deep, you know, organized. We also um, had an aspect of prayer in that as well. We had a prayer team, uh, you know, who met the cars initially when they first drove into the lot to, um, that was the first stop, to, to, to ask them if they um, would like uh, prayer. And so we had a team that actually prayed for individuals that came as well. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of how it came together. We wanted to do it, do something big and fun and exciting and um, and it just all came together. So. I love it. And it really, it really did come together really, really well. Um, the music brought a different aspect to it. I didn't anticipate Catherine to dance for two hours straight, you know, through the entire uh, <laughs> through the entire event. But you know, she did, and uh, as she stated, it really did start with the VBS. We did our VBS a different way, and I did come up with the idea a parking lot party, um, but you started out the podcast with talking about you know, the differences. Me and Catherine are totally different. 
I, I am the person that organized everything. I, I want everything, you know, in order. You know, I want to make sure everything's okay. And so, but Catherine is the person that's the fun person. Yeah. Mm. She, she makes sure that there is fun. I make sure that there is order. Yeah. <laughs> and we work extremely well together I because um, I, I imagine the party the way that it was, but I didn't imagine as much fun as we had. It was a lot of behind the scenes work, you know, emailing the parents, making sure we had the kids um, proper grade and name and putting the boxes together. And then the volunteers, you know, we asked them to show up um, the night before the prep, two days before to prep the boxes uh, with the handbooks and the bags and everything. And, and then they showed up on Saturday. Absolutely. And I thought it was, an, I thought it was really important. And I thought the parents would come out because, um, they hadn't been to the church campus and I, I, and I know um, God is bigger than a building, but they haven't been to the building. And I thought they would drive and, and the, our mm. congregation was all over Dallas, Fort Worth. So mm. some close, some far. And I just thought it would be a good opportunity for them to come to the facility and actually to see the leaders mm. for us, you know, hand something to them, you know, yeah. face to face. Mm. Let me just say it was a good idea. You said it, you it thought was it, was, it was absolutely, it was a great idea. <laughs> and I hope folks hear that, you know, you may not have a DJ, like you may have to have a Spotify playlist, right? You may not oh, have yeah. Uh, yeah. a bunch of balloons. You may have a guy in yeah. a corner who's trying to blow up balloons, like whatever it is to provide that sense of, we talk about it as belonging, right? That yeah. sense of loving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. that pays off. And the person who is listening to this, who is questioning whether or not the work that they're doing is paying off. Terry and Catherine are such good examples of why this work matters. Why what you're doing right now, even if it feels like you're just packing boxes, has kingdom level impact. You know, we talk about this conversation around resilient child discipleship. And what I know about the two of you in the whole 55 minutes that we've known each other is that you guys deeply care about the kids in your community. You've already named a few of them, but do you have anyone who stands out right now that are really just sort of forming resilience in their lives right now? You know, what does on a testimonial kind of level, whether it's yourselves or kids in your communities, what does resilient child discipleship look like and, and mean to the people of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship? Well, I had a conversation with a parent uh, two days ago and um, she had submitted a, an application or she had reached out uh, on our social media page to volunteer for children's ministry. So I reached out to her to talk to her about uh, serving with Juana and what that would look like and, and what we need to do to get a start and so forth. And so, and so uh, we talked about that for a while, but the conversation kind of uh, dovetailed into a conversation about her children who are a part of Juana. She has four kids and they're like stair steps. They're like five, seven, nine, 11. And so, um, uh, she she started talking about uh, the impact that Awana has had on her children. And she told me that uh, they live in one of the faraway communities where they have to drive probably close to an hour to get to the church. And she told me that her when we were meeting face to in person, that her kids wanted so badly to content to be a part of Awana and to continue with the program that she had to rearrange her schedule in order to get them to the church on Wednesday nights because they want to be a part of Awana. And she uh-huh. talked about the investment that it's making in their lives and the payoff 
Um, but she also told me that um, since we've been meeting virtually, uh, that they continue to be a part of Awana. Uh, Christina and Carol, I believe, are their names, two girls. And she told me that she said that they told her mom, you know, it's Wednesday night. You know, that's Bible study. So don't plan anything for us mm. for Wednesday nights. So, you know, for her to tell me that, that even in the midst of a virus, even in the midst of having to be virtual while they're in school all day long in a virtual environment, they, they still want to be a part of Awana uh, on Wednesday nights. That was significant to me. And, and, you know, we don't always get to hear from parents, but she said to me, you know, Catherine, if you never hear it from another parent, I want you to hear it from me, that you guys are making a great investment in the lives of children. And uh, that impact is so great. I see it in my own children. And she said, I just wanted to thank you and Terry and your ministry for, you know, for what you are doing. So that's one example that was very close. And the other thing um, I want to share is that we have been really surprised at the participation in our, of our ministry since we are in a virtual environment. For the last couple of weeks, we've had, um, we've had uh, over 90 kids attending in a single night for WANA in our virtual environment. Wow. And that has been so um, affirming because, you know, we would think we'd only have a few kids showing up since they are in this virtual environment all day long, but we we've had over ninety kids consecutive in consecutive weeks showing up for Awana. So, wow, that's a lot of Zoom tiles, man. That's that's so great. Yes, it's a lot of Zoom. <laughs> yeah. I, I was gonna uh, really say the exact same thing. We we meet on Wednesday virtually, and the Cubby Sparks and TNT start at the same time. So, Catherine. Uh, um, it's in the TNT Zoom, and I go back and forth with the Cubbies and with the Sparks, and it's really, really affirming to see them and that they're excited and that they have a handbook and they're ready to, to recite. And I'm thinking, we're not even coming to the building, but they're very, very excited to do it virtually. Um, it's one Cubby. Her name is uh, My Love. She is just just bouncing off the wall every single Wednesday at 6.30, excited to show her uh, Cubby's book and also excited to recite. And that's, that's just really, really amazing to me that they're, they're wanting to do it and that they're eager to do it uh, virtually. And then uh, with the Sparks too, it's one uh, little girl named Layla in Sparks that she's always excited to recite and to see us. And on Tuesday, I had an incident um, because here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you know, we're still wearing masks, you know, when you go into stores and everything. Um, I went into a store with a mask on and a hat. Hmm. And um, it was, I can't remember her name. She recognized me. Hey, Miss Youngblood. And I'm looking like, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have on OCBF, I want a shirt. I just had on no regular people clothing. <laughs> and she was with her sister and she said my whole name and i'm like she's i'm gonna see you tomorrow she said no i won't see you tomorrow um you, you're not on the tnt but i see you now and i'm just like oh my goodness <laughs> oh goodness she knew your eyes if, she and her knew. dad 
<laughs> I guess she know my eyes. She and her dad was just standing there like, who is this fucking thing? Stop from church. <laughs> <laughs> it was a water. <laughs> Dad's like, let, her, let this nice lady shop. What are you doing? And I'm like, oh my goodness. You can still know who I am with the mask and the hat <laughs> pushing a, a cart. And so we stood there and had like a five minute conversation about how excited she was about being on TNT mm. and, and just, just speaking to me, you know, mm. like we see each other every week. So that is so that's just really, really exciting uh, for this time yeah. and during this season. The Resilient Disciples podcast is powered by Awana. Awana is a global nonprofit organization dedicated to equipping leaders to reach kids with the gospel and engage them in lifelong discipleship. Awana is fueled by the generous support of individuals, churches, and organizations, as well as resource sales. Subscribe to the podcast today so you never miss an episode and go to resilientdisciples.com for more resources and many more of these conversations. The podcast is mixed, edited, produced, and hosted by me, Ross Cochran. Our theme song is Fresh Air by Christian hip-hop artist Josiah Williams and hits by Jude. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.